Welcome back to the Gen Z Hockey Podcast with your Zahar and Lucas. We're back for another episode. Um, we have, um, at this point, the interview episode my, uh, is already posted. So do you want to just say a little bit about how that interview went, who you uh, interviewed, and just a behind the scenes? Yeah, so I, um, I, I interviewed Sabres prospect Josh Bloom uh, yesterday. Um, Josh and I got into contact because uh, uh, he's, a, he's an Oakville uh, guy. He, he grew up, he grew up here and, uh, through, through the Oakville news, I was able to get into contact with him. I did, I did a story on him. I want to say, uh, sometime in August. And, uh, I thought that it was, uh, it, it would have been smart of me to take advantage of some contacts and get, uh, get him, get him on the podcast, uh, seeing as the old shell is about to, uh, he just came back from Sabres training camp. So I, I really wanted to know what that was like, uh, for him as someone to, uh, someone who's just been drafted you know what it's like for your first training camp so i thought i thought that was a good perspective to to get for for us as hockey fans and uh i, I it was a really it was a really good interview he was uh he was really he's a really nice kid really nice guy um it's only about the, the interview itself is only about seven minutes long but it was it it, it, it has a lot in it and I, I i think that uh i think that if you're just a, a hockey fan i think you'll really enjoy it Okay. Yeah. Good to hear. Um, so yeah, so check that out. Check that interview out. It's only going to be about, yeah. What Lucas was saying was seven to eight minutes and, um, yeah. Okay. So we have a couple of things to talk about before we get into that meat of the show, which is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs all or nothing show that came out Friday. It's been two days. Both of us basically binged it over the last couple of days. Um, and we have, we're going to talk about that. There's some other things that kind of popped off, like r- literally right before the podcast started recording uh, that just I don't know what's going on. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole like resolves or whatever. And also, we don't want to have the podcast go too long because baseball, uh, the Blue Jays are literally playing for their playoff lives. And uh, we kind of want I, I want to watch that game so we won't take too long. And OK, so let's just get into it. Um. Elias Pettersson and Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, no, Quinn Hughes, sign, um, sign their contracts, and they're gonna be back, um, or they're gonna start playing again in Vancouver. Um, Brady Kachuk still being uh, held out, so we don't know an update about that. But Pettersson and then Hughes, Pettersson gets three times seven point three five million. And Hughes gets six times seven point eight five million. What do you think? And um, I'm going to be totally honest. I still don't know how this cap works because they signed for does the cap, 14, does the cap exist. They signed for fifteen million dollars, and last time I checked, the cap space they had was thirteen million. So I don't know. I don't know how. To, does, know. does the cap exist? That's the question. Um, so. These deals are interesting. I, I uh, thought, I, I thought that they were very good deals for the for the Canucks. I I thought that um, Hughes might have actually gotten a little more than he actually got, but uh, but six six years is is a really good um, it's a good stretch of time for for him. Um. Was seven seven point eight five million for six years, which is a which is a really good value for for this player, who arguably one day could be a Norris candidate, like the way he plays. Yeah, and 
you know, the, the cornerstone of the, of the franchise, you know, someone to someone who's going to be one of the guys who's going to be your number one guys. defenseman for a the n- next number one defenseman is, is what I was trying to years. say. Yeah. He'll be a number one defenseman on the Canucks and you know, you got to pay a pretty penny for those, but it's, it's a well-valued contract. And I think that, um, for as much as Jim Benning, I make fun of Jim Benning. I thought that he, I thought he had a really good, um, I thought he made a really good deal here. And with the case of Elias Pettersson, I thought that he would get more money, but it was a shorter term. It is a, it is a shorter term yeah. uh, for three years. And a bridge deal in this case, I think was a great option because if you look at it from Pettersson's point of view, he's thinking, all right, in three years, the cap's going to go up and that's what I'm really going to make my money. In a way, it's kind of like um, PK Subban did something similar in Montreal, where he he signed he signed a bridge deal that was a lot cheaper. It was it was just under three million dollars, and then when that was over, he was like, "I want my nine million that I that I wanted originally." Yeah, and so it's and they eventually also, paid it. Yeah, I think also though is he signed that he signed at seven point three five because first of all, the Canucks don't have a lot of cap space, and um. I think he wants to still play this season and I don't think anyone, I think he wants to play in Vancouver. So I think he signed this contract just so that he can get that three years and that's 7.35. And that's going to allow him to make nine, 10, 11, depending on how his performances continue to go as he grows up. And what's to say that Patterson, I I think Patterson won the Calder, if I'm not mistaken. I think that both, did they both win the Calder? Maybe. No, no. No. Okay. But I know 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 Patterson won. Patterson definitely won the Calder his year. Um, so what's to say that Elias Pettersson, like he could, he could win, you know, an art Ross trophy. He could win a, you know, uh, like he, he could win a rocket Richard trophy in that time. He could be a, he, he has the potential to be a very, very valuable player in this league. So to get him for this, for this, this little window of time where the Canucks, I think want to be contenders. Yeah. Um, it is is really good value and like i said before the quint the the quint hughes extension having it be six years is is also great value because this is your cornerstone of the future yeah. but i i look at I, i'm looking at this and seeing that the canucks after this year are going to have some issues they have to resign brock besser again um and they and they have a couple of a couple of other guys that they that they might want to bring back but Right now, when you're looking at, the, at this situation, I like the deals. Uh, I think that they're good value and getting it done. I think a little later than Canucks fans would have wanted, and, uh, I'm, and uh, our friend and Trevor can attest to that. That it was probably a little later, but um, getting them done before the season starts, not having to any Nylander situations, uh, g- a good deal, uh, great value for both these players. And I, I think that, I think that uh, Jim Benning really hit a home run here. Um, How is he going to get them under the cap? We'll see. But as of right now, I like these deals and uh, good, good on Jim. Good on Jim. Yeah. So it looks like I really like the deals too. Jim Benning did a good job. He got, got them signed at least. And uh, it's going to be interesting how he works his way around. See, uh, okay. Here's the thing about Jim Benning league. Or here's the thing about with the cap. Yeah. So here's the thing about Jim Benning. He's good as he, okay. His guys, his extensions have been good. Horvat was a good extension. Besser was a good in- extension. These these guys right here, those were good extensions. 
where I get where I get confused with Jim Benning is the third and fourth line debt players that he signs for too much money on free and too agency. much on free agency and the trade and the, yeah. the trades he make on trade deadline day where they'll give yeah. up first round picks for again third and fourth line guys. Yeah, that's that's where I where I have a problem with, with Jim Benning. These contracts and most of his other extensions, fine, they, they work. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, moving on, NHL plans to reach out to Robin Leonard about uh, allegations. Uh, alleged medical malpractice so this is a story from today which is we're recording this on sunday um that he's just um accusing teams of messing up players and not giving them direct like a proper like medical care um he also accused vegas was not one of the teams that he accused it was the philadelphia flyers and wanted Al- Alan Vino to be fired. Um, he implied that they give benzodiazepines and Ambien, 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 without a prescription. So these are like pretty serious accusations on behalf of the team. So here's here's what I'm what I'm very confused about. Robin Leonard never played for the Philadelphia Flyers, which is, and that's really confusing to me. He never once played for the Philadelphia Flyers. So I don't know why he's like, he never look at his hockey DB. I, I will look at his hockey DB. I could be wrong, but as far as I know, I don't think he ever played for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I, I remember he, he played did play for a for lot the- of teams, but, I don't think he played for the Flyers. I don't think so. Okay, let me look at let me look at this. Okay, so okay, so OHL he plays for the Sioux Greyhounds with 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 Dubis, I assume, and probably Keith. Uh, gets drafted to Ottawa, plays a couple of years in Ottawa. Okay, then goes to Buffalo, plays years in Buffalo, then New York, Chicago, and Vegas. So he never played. He's never played a single game with the Philadelphia Flyers. So that's really confusing to me. Why? That's very confusing that that he would uh, that he would accuse the Philadelphia Flyers of this and want Alan Vino fired. Now, I this could be a situation where he's heard from other players, yeah. i.e. Carter Hart. I'm not I'm not saying that Carter Hart said this, but maybe he's hearing from other players, maybe other goaltenders, uh, which is why I use Carter Hart or situations like that. And, and accusing them in that way, but the fact that he's never been there is a little weird to me. The fact that he never played a single game for the Flyers it's or being that, and like he's speaking on behalf of other players, maybe because he's in a position where he can, or maybe he's just so upset because he he commented a lot about um, Jack Eichel and that that whole Buffalo situation. And he's also had a lot of shitty experiences as an NHL player with mm-hmm. his mental health, his foot in Buffalo, him coming back and going through all that. So I understand maybe he's in a position to be able to speak and no, no one's going to like attack him for it or like, he, I'm sure he, and, I'm pretty sure he and Jack played together. I'm pretty sure they did in Buffalo. In 2015, I'm sure that I'm pretty sure they're crowds passed during that time. So yeah. the, the the first tweet said, um, some uh, so I'm just gonna read it right here. Where is the NHLPA and all NHL players and all of the and all of this attacks and all of these attacks on our freedom of choice? 
Jack's situation is crazy to me. Also, people getting attacked in by journalists, by journalists, and that that hide behind freedom of speech who trash uh, people's freedom of choice. When does the hypocrisy? the hypocrisy end. so the reason why i why i sort of stumbled there is because leonard's uh, english is a little um is a little off in, the, in yeah. his tweets so basically basically he's kind of saying where's the nhl pa and all of this as jack's getting attacked by journalists and other people hiding behind you know uh their screens Just and not, and not having screens, yeah. and not having freedom of choice so that was the first one um next one nhl is it good to keep a generational player out of your league his body is his body is his choice do what's right um this is dis- uh, nhlpa it's disappointing all i got to say uh it's, it's disappointing that is all i got to say same with nhl players not sticking up for each other remember next time is you and then and then he goes on to talk about the the ambient like he, like you were talking about and uh and the benzodiazepine so um i okay so first of all the nhl has to investigate this the, I, think, I, I think they are i think i saw that they, yeah that they are they're gonna reach out to him they plan mm-hmm. to reach out to him um but they have to investigate this if this is actually legit then someone's getting fired from the philadelphia flyers uh, i think a lot of people are getting fired from the philadelphia flyers if this is actually legit mm-hmm. um when it comes to the whole buffalo situation but the Buffalo situation, I can I can understand from his point of view because he saw it firsthand. Yeah, he would have been seeing this firsthand because he played he played there for a while. And I don't know there might there might have been some some definite transitions. Like he hasn't been there for a couple of years, but but the Buffalo situation would make sense to me because he saw it firsthand. He and Jack were team. He and he was on yeah. the Sabers for yeah. years, and he and Jack Eichel were teammates for at least two or three years. So that makes sense to me. It's the flyer situation where I'm a, I'm a little unsure because he never played for them. And it just came out of left field, but it's also the whole left field. The whole Buffalo thing is it's like, they're both like Buffalo wants Jack Eichel to play, except they're not, they can't work out what they like. They want to do when it comes to like putting it together, I guess. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it's, like I, Buffalo I, I, just wants to take the saying. safer route and like Robin Linder's presenting this as if Jack Eichel has no other options. Mm-hmm. Um, so we discussed, we discussed that last, last week. Uh, we, we played the, uh, we played the, the tech talk from, uh, from physio Mike, I believe is what it's called. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so I, I, uh, I screen recorded that and sent it to a very good friend of mine who is a, who's a third year kinesiology student at, at our university. Um, and so I, I, um, I asked her, I was like, well, what do you think of this? Like with the, the it was like, should he either, should he go the Sabres route and get the, the place with the bar in his neck or should he go his own route and get the disc, the disc replacement? And uh, she said, I can understand why he would prefer the disc replacement, but I don't think he really understands why his spine needs all capitals to be stable, especially for such an active and aggressive sport, the disc won't last, not through that activity and impact. So I was a little confused when I heard that. And I was like, what do you mean that he doesn't know that he needs the surgery? And she said, I mean, from what I heard from the video, he wants to, he wants to disc replacement because it'll give him more flexibility in his spine. Yes. That will allow him to maybe play similar to the way he used to. 
but that but that generally increases his chance of further injury your spine needs to be stable to do quick explosive movements to withstand force etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and if Especially he already has an injury he is uh pre- yes uh, and if he already has an injury he is predisposed uh, to further injuries Spinal fusion. So, so spinal fusion was the the um, the bar in the neck. Sorry, that so that's the one the Sabers want. Spinal fusion may decrease his flexibility, but it will protect his career and his body. Uh, sh- and his body. Uh, sure, if he wants to keep uh, the flexibility to protect his skill. So, just what I'm hearing is like that the Sabers option is the better option, and in any way, it could be the only option. Because it will keep him, it will, yes, limit his flexibility, but he could play at the highest level. He could, he could once again be the Jack yeah. Eichel of old yeah. where he plays at the highest level possible. So I, 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 I can understand, I understand where Robin Leonard is coming from. If this is a true fact, if this yeah. is a true fact that that's, that's, that's been given, you know, benzodiazepine and Ambien and all these other, um medications without being prescribed that's a lawsuit waiting to happen that is not okay but from what i from everything i've heard with this jack eichel situation it's it just sounds like it just sounds like the sabers are trying to save his career and he's not letting them i get that he has the right to that he should have the right to choose in robin leonard's mind that he that he thinks he should have the right to choose i understand that but the Sabres are looking at it from, we want you to play for us. And we want you to play for us at, at the best of your abilities. Yeah. And so that's why they, that's why this back and forth keeps happening. And, and the last thing I want to say on this, because honestly, like it's gone on all summer. We're not even Sabres fans. We're not close to Sabres fans. Yep. It's gone on all summer. I'm a little sick of talking about it. And I just hope that it kind of goes, goes away eventually. I don't think it will. But what I'm going to say lastly on this for this episode the longer that this tug of war happens, the worse Jack's injury gets. Yes. And the longer it'll take to recover. The longer this tug of war happens, the worse that his injury will get because it's not being worked on. And yeah. the longer this situation goes, because whatever surgery he gets, whether he gets the, the spinal fusion or he gets the disc replacement, that surgery sounds like the recovery could take months to heal from. Yep. So you're the, just delaying this process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really where I'm at. I think that this tug of war is bad for Jack's Jack's career. Yep. And it's not it's not helping anyone. Yeah. Um. Okay. We're done with that. Um. Let's move on to Amazon Prime All or Nothing Toronto Maple Leafs. Five episodes of. <sighs> I think it was the entire. Okay. So we it was know unbelievable. Ending, it was, it was unbelievable. so good. It was so good. We know the ending. So this is like, this isn't really like a spoiler spoiler. review because we all know how it goes. I think the spoilers, quote unquote, are just the conversations in the locker room that we never got to see. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, Before we just get really deep into this. um, um, Sheldon Keefe signed a two-year extension. So. Can can I say this? Okay. I I hadn't seen the the documentary on uh, so I only saw I think the first episode of the documentary the day that he was signed. After seeing the documentary, extend this man for a hundred years. Yep. 
Okay. Oh my God, so, is he incredible? Okay, so this the main focus of this entire show, if you haven't seen it yet, is Dubis and Keith's relationship and how they went from the Sioux Greyhounds all the way to the NHL as partners or like, yeah, yeah partners. Um, because uh, when uh, when Kyle Dubas was assistant GM, he was the GM of the Marley. So yeah, basically like partners. And you see this work friendship, work, like work friendship that became like their brothers and like they're just stuck together where they see each other more than they see anybody else. And Sheldon Keefe, before, before, like, after Mike Babcock got fired, Sheldon Keefe came in midway through season. Coronavirus hit. Um, that happened. The bubble happened. And then we he had his first, like, not even full season. Like, it's not 82 Sheldon games. Keefe, so I saw Sheldon Keefe's record, and it was something along the lines of, like, 62, 20-something uh, and, and, and something, some kind of overtime losses. I maybe it wasn't like it was some it was some really good record. This guy has never had a full training camp preseason and 82 game season. And he's been here yeah. two years. He has not had a full season from t- beginning to end. And this year is going to be the first full season where he's going to be able to have control of the entire season. We'll see if they'll be able to build playoff habits, because as we saw throughout the entire series, that was non-existent. They were worried about that from the beginning to the end. And they were worried and they were right to worry. And the way things happened is because of those, because they didn't build those habits, they they didn't get anywhere. And that was their cause to failure. Mm-hmm. But I like how we got it uh, since the whole Mike Babcock. When Sheldon Keefe came in, most people didn't really know what kind of a person he was. Mike Babcock had previous experience with Detroit. So everyone kind of knew who he was and how, what kind of person he was, what kind of character he was and how he like, uh, like presented himself. Mm-hmm. And through this series, I think a lot of people will get to know Sheldon Keefe and fall in love with him. He's the exact be- opposite of what I thought he was. Yeah. So apparently when he first came in uh, halfway through the, well, the 2019 season, uh, 2019, 2020, 2020 season, he was supposed to be the cuddly guy that came in after Babcock was fired. Uh, that's, in this that's, series, that's literally what I thought he was. He's in not. Ser- in this series, we learn that he's not that. He's the bad cop in the good bad cop uh, routine. And Kyle Dubas, and I'm assuming the assistant coaches, mm-hmm. is the good guy characters. Because Sheldon Keefe had a lot to say about everyone. Um, and the way he presents himself and trying to beat a message into this team's head and it just stops working or not stops working, but just doesn't just end up there. working. Didn't get there. And yeah, I think Shelly Keefe is probably the best part of the series. Mm-hmm. And the behind the scenes like looks is incredible. And there's a lot more t- for me, like for us to get to, but like, I want to hear some of your opinions about like the Sheldon Keefe thing and just everything kind of in general. And then we'll go into a bit de- of detail. Um, I want to say two big things. So on the topic of Sheldon Keefe, <laughs> I, I, like I said, he's the exact opposite of what I, of what I thought he was. Every, every second word out of his mouth is fuck. 
Um, <laughs> lots of swearing. Lots oh of swearing God. across the board. It's great. So, uh, so just the opposite of what I thought he was. But what a smart hockey mind. Mm-hmm. What an absolute, like, last year's regular season, we're 10 games in, and did were were we the were we the fans going this team sucks this team this team has this team has all these problems and everything no we were yeah we were happy i think we were some of us had concerns but we were all just a pig and shit just oh my god this team's incredible this team this this team that and he knew after the first 10 games that this wasn't good enough and that mm-hmm. these guys don't have the habits, the playoff mm-hmm. habits, the Stanley Cup winning habits to make it in this league. Yep. And this is a second year head coach talking about how they don't have the, the habits. And the fact that this guy. He was right. Uh, he was he right. He was right all along. But yeah, okay, the, and they usually are. Uh, the fact that this guy who had never coached in the NHL prior to the season before could already see it he could already yeah. see yep. that this team was not ready and they did not have it at that time like it's it's unbelievable how how much of an of a of an amazing hockey mind that he is and how much of a and honestly if i'm gonna be honest a, a, a great hockey mind is also in kyle dubas yeah he is he's a great hockey mind too yeah and they all and they worked there were some arguments between coaches that I was like, oh my God, like I, that, that got kind of heated. There was one that happened between um, Sheldon Keefe and Steve Briere, the goaltending coach. And, yep. and I, I don't know if it was Freddie or Jack or Jack Campbell and, and it Sheldon was sort Freddie. Of, it was Freddie. Okay. So it was something along the lines of like, you know, Freddie let in what, what Sheldon thought was a soft goal. And Steve Briere was like, what do you want Dermot to like, not, or do you want, do you want it to save it when it, when it banks off Dermot's ass? And he literally turns around and goes, Hey, fuck off. I was like, Jesus. yeah, it was, it was the loss in, it was a loss against Calgary. Yeah. Okay. Let me just yeah, try to, yeah, continue like going. I'll try to find it it. It, it. it was just, it was just a conversation where I was like, that's a lot of just animosity. Like, Oh it, yeah. And it's, and that's going to happen, especially last year where it's like, you're basically locked in a room with each other for how long? Like that's six months for six months. Like those were the only people you saw. Like it's going to get, it's going to get antsy. You're like, you're going to get tired. Yeah. And so he, he was able to see it before we all saw it. And, and he knew that this wasn't good enough. And just to be able to see that was, was, was incredible. And the second thing I want to say is, so last episode, I didn't want to watch it. And I did. I was still, it was still like, it was just as heartbreaking. If I'm gonna okay, be honest. honestly, it wasn't as bad as like our initial reaction to it. Like rewatching it, I'm like, that was really shitty. But it wasn't like, it was a season finale that you already saw. So here's here's the thing. I, I, I keep saying something along the lines of like, you know, a, a puck bounces this way. We're in the next round. Yeah. They outshot Montreal in game six in overtime, 13 to two. Like Travis Dermott and Travis Dermott spinorama cost them that game. It's, it's, it's like, was that, it that, that game or the game five? No, it was that game. Yeah. It was that. No, game five was the Galchenyuk giveaway that yeah, led to a yeah. two on out. I, I, like, I thought it was the other way. Okay. Like, who, like, only that only happens to the Leafs, you know? 
Yeah. Like no, no other team, but like that game six, like that's like, that's Jake Gardner esque, you know, but we but, shouldn't have been at game six. We shouldn't have like, I know we should have been at game five and that's what's supposed to end it. And it, yeah, we didn't. And what I'm going to say is, so I watched the last episode. The narrative that came out of game seven was that this team doesn't care. There's nothing farther from the truth. That, or I, I might have phrased that wrong, but that's that's no, the no, far- no. You, you you phrase it right, yeah. That's that's um, the farthest from the truth. This team cared yeah. more than anything in the world. Yeah, so they cared about this thing, but um, I think it might be the whole hockey quotes and trope type of thing that happened after the thing, where all their quotes and everything they said sounded like, "Oh, we'll get them next year." It's like, I think it's kind of like the way they presented themselves after the series and the way they of what they said where the media did not have the behind the scenes look of what they actually went through where it was just like generic hockey quotes they basically just quoted for the like end of season and uh end of like series um interviews and i think that's you don't get that we no one really gets the behind the scenes of what really happens to a team that loses in the Stanley Cup final, a team that loses like, like in the second in the round, first round, in the first round. And this gives you a look of what actually might be happening behind the scenes when it comes to Stanley Cup finals and just playoff rounds. And that it, it was such a, it was such a, a lazy narrative. And I knew it at the time, but just seeing like seeing Jack Campbell break down crying. Dude. Um, Jack Eichel. Jack, Jack Eichel. Jesus crap. Jesus Christ. I just had like a brain aneurysm or something. No, um, it's okay. We, we were talking about Eichel. Jack, it's Campbell, not, it's not... Jack Campbell is amazing. He is the greatest Maple Leaf on this team. <laughs> He's so nice. He's so just everything about him is great. We already um, knew that though. Yeah, we already knew that, but like this, I didn't know that Jack Campbell just... knew. Sw- I didn't know Jack Campbell knew swear words. I thought he only knew fiddlesticks and shiznits. Yeah, um, just PG PG thirteen <laughs> like swearing. Um, he is such a nice person from this. Like everyone kind of knew that he was, but this series just highlights it and presents you with this the entire show, like the entire thing. You're just kind of waiting for Jack Campbell to come onto the scene and see what kind of interviews and just the way he talks and the way he was destroyed after game seven. Like he's crying. Guys he's are consoling crying. him. Yeah. And um, the last thing I want to say before we, before we go into, I, I, I assume we're going to go into more the last, the last locker room shot of, of the, of game seven showed the last two leaves still in the locker room who were they marner and matthews this team cared this team really did care (sighs) they wanted it they wanted it and it just slipped away i'm not giving them an excuse this is not me saying oh you know this this and this happened i'm not giving them excuse they should have wiped the floor with montreal and games five six and seven but having saying that they didn't care was is the farthest from the truth all right what's next okay so i want to go through a couple of things um that like kind of take take on the entire season um first of all injuries apparently there's a bone um shaker machine that enhances um bone stimulation 
and growth yeah. on a fractured wrist. So I didn't know that kind of technology existed, um, which was cool to see all the injury. Joe Thornton, literally every time he's in the recovery room, he's just like covered in snow pants that I'm assuming help with his like knees or something that heat up his legs or whatever. So that was it. Then Matthews with the not broken wrist, but like, sore or fractured wrist or something like that he was playing through the entire thing and then just a couple shots of him just sitting just like putting ice on it and being like nice this is this is cool and you get got it behind this oh and the muzzin face injury um you got a behind the scenes look of what these guys go through in a regular season and this was a short and regular season too you guys have to like you can't forget that it was only 52 games instead of 82 um which is like 30 more games. So who knows how many more injuries piled up and just throughout the season, throughout the show, you see how these like medical staff and just all the people that are helping these players real work really hard. And just like all the effort that goes into making these players be able to play on the ice at the highest level. Uh, I, I, I was just as shocked and like, I might be jumping ahead, but like the, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was like the actual like health doctor physician, not the guy that's on the bench. He was the guy in the suit. He usually, he was usually in a suit. Um, I, I have think, no idea. I, I okay. Uh, but he was, he was like the head physician. And when he was talking about all these different injuries and when, and when the Tavares injury came, which we'll, which we'll get to, like he was talking about like what could happen here and there and just seeing the, seeing just the room of injuries and like these are a bunch of broken men that are just Mm -hmm. trying to hold on for dear life and like you see how like god isn't jake muzzin just a fucking rock like Mm -hmm. nothing beats this kid this guy this guy is a machine yeah nothing beats him down like nothing nothing holds him down he is a absolute rock and he's like like he's unbelievable how he's able to bounce back from all these injuries like he gets injured every other day and he's like shrug it off (laughs) put a put a face cage on me and i'm all good to go yeah um and you know this the simmons injury which which is what you were talking about for the the wrist fracture like i i didn't even know that was a thing but i guess it is and just world uh, class just everything is world class (laughs) there and just like one thing you can take away from this is mlse spends a shit ton of money on the Mm -hmm. toronto maple leafs and just making everything look and as good as it can look and as like most efficient and uh, most high quality as like, or highest like medical standards that they can get. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing that I liked was, uh, sorry, uh, I'll, I'll make this quick was um, <laughs> I liked this. It was, it was just interesting where when Joe, when Jumbo got his, got his injury, like his rib at the, like the very, very beginning of the yeah. season, he gets hit and he's like, I knew it right away. It's a rib. I'm like, yeah, what? It's like, how do you know? It's like, how do you know? He's like, ah, I've broken ribs. I've, I've broken ribs before. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So the same thing with Jack Campbell when he was in there. Oh, with his groin. And he pulls his groin and then he goes to Muzz and he's like, guys, I pulled my groin. And Don't he's like, know. and he's like, oh, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I know how a groin, uh, like a pulled groin feels like. And he's like, oh, I'll just stay in the game. And I'm like, and that was the game where Matthew Kachuk fucking, you know, bunny went, hopped onto his groin. Yeah, and went flying onto him, which is like... Which we all knew the- We all knew that he was doing that. Like, it was a chicken shit move. Yeah, but it's also, what if, like, the Flames heard that? And they're like, oh, might as well beat the goalie while he's down. They, they probably did. It was a quiet arena, so I think they could have heard everything and just, like, mm-hmm. and just 
moved on and just did be become bait like be a shitty player and just like fly onto the goalie which Matthew Kachuk did and yeah, yeah. so I want to talk about the uh, Matthews quote at the in the beginning of the first episode so he said that uh, the team was too saw, uh, safe in their loss to Edmonton uh, after the Oilers played with four or five above the puck all game on routine to, to a scrappy 3-1 win. So I don't remember this, but I think at the beginning of the season, this wasn't a quote. Like, no one talked about this. Also, all Austin Matthews said was basically the team played too soft and because we were scared of their offense. And this was a quote that rubbed Sheldon Keefe the wrong way. And he got pissed off. Do you want to hear the quote that he said? I, 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 I do. I do. I do. The reason I came to talk to you is Austin. Oh, wait, wait. The reason I came to talk to you is Austin. And oh, sorry. This is the sorry. I don't have the direct quote of. Isn't uh, I think this is this is what he is saying to Dubis. I think yeah, this, this is, is what he was saying to Dubis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is what he's saying to Dubis. Um, the reason I came to talk to you is Austin and his comment in the media last night. It is fucking horrific, horrific narrative. Uh, Keeps told Dubis. Um, that's not. And then this is Dubis's response. Uh, that's actually. Sorry, this is still Keith. My bad. Uh, that's not why we played poorly. That we played it safe. We are you kidding me? We played poorly because Edmonton played safe. They had five people above us the whole game, and we we didn't want to work hard to find offense. <laughs> Every so, second word is puck. Yeah, it's great. Guy. It's but it's also like when Keith was on the bench, it was just f f f f. Oh f. my god. How NHL benches are the loudest thing in the like I I've been um I, I I've been uh, a couple of days ago uh, and throughout the season I'm gonna be covering the Oakville Blades uh junior A team and I'm right next to the bench everything I can just hear it. they're loud they're so fucking loud the whole time you can hear every single thing it's and so I can only imagine like someone like Pierre Maguire who stood between the benches for years, the yeah. things that he heard, <laughs> you yeah. hear everything. So, well, I think like if it's in a packed arena, you can't really hear it. Uh, like Steve Dangle was talking about how he has sit like right beside it and they, they couldn't, he couldn't hear anything. And that was in a packed arena. So like, mm-hmm. I think it's because it was an empty arena. We were able to hear everything so clearly. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Um, so with this quote like you said it was a quote i didn't remember it it was something that we thought was a nothing quote like it was it was just what it was and so when i heard keith when i saw keith get pissed off at that i was like i was like oh my god you're right like he did kind of like point the middle finger at you kind of and be like oh like like we played soft and later on he said no wonder i think keith was like no shit we played soft they're the two fucking best players of the, in the league and yeah. uh, mcdavid yeah, and dryside yeah. or something like that and so he goes to talk to austin and they they really ha- they hashed it out very maturely and very very like you know mm-hmm. there was an adult conversation they hashed it out and they moved on and that's that's what i love about about sports in general is how like people disagree all the time and we we argue about it we hash it out and we move on. And that's, and that's, and that's yeah. how it goes. And I think that's, 
That's what I wish every single adult argument was. Unfortunately, that doesn't always go as, as you want it. Yep. Um, but in this case, it was done. They, they moved on. And I remember that game, the stuff that I remember, because I'm just a, a stupid Leaf fan, I remember so Austin played that game, and then he said the quote of we played, of we played scared or whatever. And then the next game, he was out with an injury. And I was watching that going, oh, my God, did Keith actually bench him and say it was an injury just to just, just so that we could um, did, like, did he suspend him for a game and say it was an injury so that like he wouldn't build any drama? And he didn't because I'm sure we I'm sure we would have seen it if he did. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure he had an injury. But how how like controversial or not controversial, but how interesting would it have been to see if Keith suspended him for a game? And said that it was a wrist injury just so that we wouldn't make this drama. Okay, so first of all, the quote wasn't that bad for, like, it wasn't bad enough for him to get suspended or just any actions. But um, it was an interesting quote. I, like, I think that, like, coaches are built a little bit different to notice that kind of stuff that everyone in the media, like, everyone just said, yeah, they, they played soft. Like, they just didn't attack. It's just... Like that's what it is. It's like another like it's another day versing uh, playing a game against McDavid and Drysaddle. So you understand that they might have played soft just so that they couldn't like they don't want to like give up goals or whatever. Mm-hmm. So interesting, uh, but nothing that like would like ring alarm bells. But apparently, it rang alarm bells to Sheldon Keefe and just how the entire thing went through because i think keith keith heard that as he's giving me the middle fingers of how i play my system in a a way and i think that's what and i don't think that austin i i personally don't think austin actually intended to to make it that much of a of a big deal but but what he's what he said you know hit a core with keith and they and like i said it was over they hashed it out and it was good but I don't think that Austin's quote, he, he, I don't think in his mind, he said, Oh, this is where I'm going to fucking say that Sheldon, your system sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your system sucks. I'm going to Arizona. They don't have an arena where his. to play, but we'll see about that. Yeah. He's going to go to Arizona. They don't, you don't even have a home ice. Okay. never mind. Back to back to the thing. Um, okay. So there's a couple of things I want to touch upon. Um, so, the fantastic six two loss, uh, six five loss to Ottawa. Um, and from episode one to episode five of this show, Sheldon Keefe was right. He keeps referring to this team as fragile. Yep. Also, saying that playing games that or saying that in these games, we should be just done. But no game is ever done with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Never. It could be 10-0, and somehow it will it'll come out to be like 8-9, and like Sheldon Keefe was trying to beat this into their team into the team. You see it throughout the entire season. He's talking to Spezza, he's talking to Tavares, he's talking to Matthews, the entire team in general. He's just being like, guys, we have to shut it down after a certain point. We cannot let these games like the six, the five, six, five game should have never happened. He's like, guys, never. It was five one. 
at the end of the second period, or was it like in the first period, second period? Yeah. There shouldn't have been an overtime, let alone five goals to tie yeah. it up. So like he keeps talking about it and he keeps beating it over the head. And I'd understand if you get sick as a player, but it's also, you're not changing. And you th- see throughout the season about them winning. They're on a hot streak. And yet he still has doubts. There's never like a part or in the interview, in any of the interviews where he's confident about this team saying that we actually can do something. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's yeah. a hard pill to swallow throughout. The it, entire it is. Day. It is. And w- I, they got their reality check real quick. <laughs> yep. Is what I'm is like, they they had it beat into them. They were told that they, this way is not gonna. This is not how you win games. This is not how yeah. you win in the in the playoffs. You cannot expect to go up three nothing and win games three to two in the playoffs. Yeah, and this has been a problem for this team since the rookie year in 2016. Yeah, and it's been a problem for a long time, and I've. I've watched basically every puck drop of a Leafs game since definitely since that season, but even longer. And I see it all the time. I see the, the Leafs could go up three to nothing at the end. Like the Leafs go up three, nothing at the end of the first period. And I go, I'm not happy. Yeah. Because it's you, not, you're not relaxed. You're not because relaxed. Because the yeah. game is not over. Yeah. I've the only, the only time that I am ever happy is when the clocks read zero and the Leafs are, are up, are, are winning yeah. even after an empty net goal to make the game four to one with 50 with 30 seconds left in the third period. I go not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready. So episode one was bait more, uh, was about like introducing all the characters and like different dynamics that they have and just bringing everyone to the speed of, or bringing everyone up to the speed of, how it is being a Leafs fan and what you're struggling through and what this team has like has not accomplished in the past. I liked. I thought Will Arnett was very good as a narrator. Will Arnett loved narration was great. Um, yeah, narration was great and it was it was it was great to see because he he was a Leafs fan and you kind of like the way he talked about everything. You sounded you heard that like he cared about this and he just was upset about it. But I kind of want to touch upon episode two which is the pieces on the board. It gives you a dynamic or a dynamic look, or it just gives you a look at how players and the GM interact and how like you see these two sides of the coin, someone that has a purpose and wants more and someone that doesn't have a purpose and wants more. So the episode begins with Ilya Mikheyev coming to the, to Kyle Dubas and asking for more, he wants more ice time. He wants to score more. He wants to be better. And Kyle Dubas is like, everything you're doing is fine. You don't need, like, we don't want you to do more. We like how you play defensively. We like how you play uh, on the penalty kill. But Mikhaev wants to do more offense, wants to score. Because when he was in the KHL, he was the best team. He was the best player on his team. And just throughout the ep- like, he just comes in and asks for more ice time, which is, Jesus. Um, which is like, 
which is interesting because he's been asking for more ice time since I don't know whenever whenever that was February January February of last season, and then during the summer we heard rumors that he wants to request he requested a trade. So you see that he been he's been struggling with this thing since February of last year, and he wants more ice time. And Dubas is like, we like you where you at, and you're doing a good job. Why do you like need more ice time? And he he needs more ice time because he's the he he thinks that he's the best. All I'm going to say on results of Ely Micaiah wanting more ice time and wants to score more, you were put in many opportunities in the offensive zone to yeah. score goals. Yeah. I could think of one in particular when the Leafs were up 3-1 to one at the uh, in the series in Game 5 against Montreal where the puck came right to him at the very end of the game during a 3-3 tie and he was not able to backhand it home and had a wide open net. It was it was a it was a like puck in the air. It would have taken a while, but you were given that opportunity to win the series for your team. Uh, you were given many other opportunities, and you were not able to score. You were yeah. not able to capitalize. Yeah. He has a role that is a defensive role, that is a penalty killing role. Yeah, but we do expect you to put the biscuit in the basket when called upon. Yeah, and he just hasn't since the wrist injury, which yeah. is unfortunate because that wasn't his fault because he played really well before that. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that that's what that's what caused this. But you can't complain about not scoring, wanting to score more when you yourself were put in many offensive positions to score and have it. And then the other side of the coin of wanting more ice time, but not really wanting to put in the work is Jimmy VC. We get an introduction to him. We get an introduction to him. He's talking to his cousin, his family or whatever. And he, he, so um, Sheldon Keefe directly approaches him and says that your game is vanilla. Pick a lane that you want to play in either be, Tough guy who scores, either be puck retriever, either be little shit that annoys everyone, or be just be something. And when Sheldon Keefe approaches him that, he's like, oh, you got to do something. You have to be something. You've just been playing vanilla, which is like you've just been playing meh hockey. And you have to do something. And Jimmy VC... Jimmy VC is like, oh, what? You don't want me to play my game? The whole thing was really awkward. I understand oh, why so it would awkward. be awkward. It was yeah. very awkward, but it's also. See, the like... whole thing is that what I'm going to say is Jimmy VC started this year on a line with William Nylander and John Tavares. Yep. And he Which, could not on find that line on that line. You're just a puck retriever. You just go get the puck, give it to Nylander and then Nylander and Tavares will do their thing. He couldn't find an identity with those two guys. He scored in the first game, but just had nothing yeah. afterwards. He couldn't find an identity playing with two of arguably the best players on that team. Yeah. Your identity could have been, oh, I just stand, uh, you know, I just stand away while John while John and Willie do all the hard stuff and I can tap in goals. Like yeah. the fact that he wasn't able to consistently stay on that line, potting in goals, getting points, uh, maybe even playing some power play time. Because he was, but he, he was playing with two of the best players on the team and could not generate offense. He could not generate his own identity of being the guy 
to, like you said, retrieve the puck, get it around, cycle it, break, get it to get it to those two guys and head to the net. And that could be my, uh, that's going to be my identity of, of I'm the puck retrieval guy. I go to the net and I, and I look and I put my stick down and they're going to help find me. He could not find that identity. And that's what Keith was saying. And then also, um, uh, VC gets claimed by waivers and, or when he was being put on waivers, Keith, uh, Dubas is like, we're putting you on waivers and like seeing a player actually like that happen as I've, I haven't seen that in hockey. Like someone get being told you're being put on waivers. I have seen though, like a football player being told he's traded. That was on hard knocks. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah hard knocks, hard knocks yeah. does it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, so I've seen that like in football, but I've never seen it like hockey and like how it's presented. And it just, it looks like it sucks every single time, no matter if you're getting traded or not getting, or getting placed on waivers. It just looks like it sucks. And Jimmy VC, I feel like he didn't put enough effort into this. You're seven years into your career. You're on the third team already. This is it looks like it's your last last chance it's your all or nothing year because after this you don't know where you is jimmy vc playing in vancouver uh let, i don't know if he even got a contract from the canucks i so i last time i checked he was on vancouver canucks but... he was on vancouver but he signed a one year but he had a one-year deal with the leafs that expired when he went to yeah. vancouver yeah. i don't even know if he if he has a team currently okay um so while you do that uh I kind of just obviously um, the Nylanders in this episode, Nylanders great. Brendan Shanahan had a problem with him as when the puck is bouncing around on us in the defensive zone, I feel better when Willie picks it up, knowing we aren't going to lose it. And then he also talked about how um, uh, Nylander kind of was like a bouncing ball sometimes. And he just played too loose. And Brendan Shanahan said a couple of things about that, which was pretty funny. Uh, just just to clarify, uh, Jimmy VC and Frederick Gautier are on PTOs with the New Jersey Devils. Oh, okay. So that, that was a... your opportunity, dude. Yeah, that was your opportunity yep. to play with two of the best players. Yep. On the team, and and you could not find an identity. Yeah. So um, there's also. Do you want to do the trade deadline? Because we kind of talked about that during the. Uh, that's, that's fine. That's, uh, the trade deadline. Um, the stretch run that's episode four by far my favorite scene in the entire um series is when joe thornton literally wants to fight the entire winnipeg jets he wanted to fight nick Ehlers. yo jumbo joe is my guy dude he was the best yeah he is the best he was one of the funniest people on the show and just most entertaining but he wants to find Ehlers, but he also just starts scrapping literally everyone and he's just Fuck you! This f that. When he's talking, this, f that. When he's talking to the ref, he's like, "Yeah, just because I'm not a fucking diver doesn't mean means that I won't get a call." Since he's the yeah. fucking diver, gets the call. I'm not a fucking diver. Like, yeah. I'm like, "Oh my god, Joe, that's my man." Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe. It was so funny. Um, hearing hearing um, Joe, like, I, like a part of me, I, I understand why the Leafs didn't bring him back, but like a part of me is gonna miss him, and when he's in Florida, just because he was such a he was such a like. He was such a vibrance in the in the in the locker room. You could definitely tell that he he brought something to that locker room yeah. that was that was definitely messing. And that whole his whole encounter with the ref, the ref's like, dude, shut up. I'm trying to explain to you 
why you're getting this penalty. He's like, he's like, but I'm not a diver. I don't do this. You just keep going off. And the ref's like, dude, I understand. I'm just trying to, you instigated it. So you have to get a penalty. Why, why Joe saying that is because Joe's Joe's thinking I'm 41. I don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. I don't give a crap what you think. I'm in my forties. This is my like, this is my what? Like 21st year in this league. I don't care. Yeah. Oh God. Um, so the first four episodes cover the regular season. There's a bunch of other stuff that happens, like um, the like all the Freddie Go- uh, Anderson stuff, all the Jack Campbell stuff. We talked about how Jack Campbell's just amazing. Um, you learn about like the whole behind the scenes on the winning streak and just get a bit more like thing there. But okay, so episode five. So I have a couple of things before we get to episode five, which was the playoffs. Um. Yeah. Throughout the season, you kind of see Freddie and Jack, Freddie just kind of get washed away and just become behind, become like a second, like, I don't know how to say it, but second string of like, he's not really the center of like, he's like, you don't really see much of him with the group. You don't see much of him like leading or just like being part of the group. And I don't know if that's just because they didn't get the footage of that or because he was just injured for so long and just wasn't with the team. I, I think it might be that second one because he was just, he was injured for so long. And like, you remember he had like that Marley stint and whatever. Like, yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's what it was. It's I, don't think, disapp- I, I don't think that it was a situation where they were like, you know, Oh, who is this Anderson? I only know Jack Campbell. He's my best friend now. I don't think it no, was no, one no. of those things but where they completely I, just neglected him. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like the way that the series went on, he kind of just became more and more in the back. Yeah, of, as a background character. As a background character. And no one really like talked about him and just, well, like I understand that he didn't really play, but I think that I thought he'd be more of a part, a bigger part in the show of like, he brought this team to the Stanley to the playoffs for the last five years. And he did so much for this team and he ended up being just, it was an unfortunate circumstance. It was something that I hadn't seen in years, but however, like, I mean, Jack, Jack Campbell took that spot and it's it's unfortunate, but that's, that's what happens. Oh my goodness. Um, this document, there's so much to unravel here. I think we should. Okay, let's get to the last episode because I'm I'm gassed. I am gassed. I need to talk so, about the heartbreak. So yeah, so there's a couple of things. Um, they go through the entire thing. We see what Tavares went through. We see a bit of behind the scenes of that. Um, so when he, when the coach was trying to pick it, uh, not trying to pick him up, the was trying to lie him down. And Tavares was trying to pop back up, and that the physician was talking about how, um, how it, that's a natural response to once you're hit, you're trying to get back and recover as soon as your body is trying to recover and just trying to get back to as soon as possible. But because of the hit was so hard, he so his body naturally tried to pop up, but he didn't. And then the coach was trying to just grab his neck so that there wasn't any neck or like head damage. So what he was like, people were scrutinizing the training staff, but the training staff wasn't like, they weren't able to do anything in that situation was, which he was, he was on the ground, but he wasn't really on the ground. And if he was on the ground, they would have been able to sing. You, you said, All right. no. I, I don't know if I said this before. I might've whoever scrutinized the Leafs training staff for handling that situation incorrectly. 
what the fuck do you know about how to deal with medicine? You Twitter scum. You Twitter troll. Like, what do you know? Where's your doctorate in and you know in physiotherapy and physiotherapy and in medicine that, and the, whatever that trainer that trainer is probably like a doctor so he probably went to med school exactly and, so yeah. you on twitter who don't know anything about medicine shut up you know nothing yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry yeah. no so, it just looked like if from the clip or whatever it looked a lot worse than what it turned out to be thankfully and just watching it again uh, watching it from this point of view, like it's still, it still broke. I don't know about you. It broke my heart to see it again. It yeah, actually it looks, broke my heart. To see it. What broke uh, my heart was John just crying. Just put me back in, put me back in. I can play. I can play. And he's crying and yeah. he's just so emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And you can hear, you can hear Wayne Simmons, who I think was, I think was the most entertaining character in the entire, yep. in the entire doc. I think Wayne Simmons. And he's back. So he's, he's back, back for this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how he pulls together again. But yeah. So, I think, and hearing Wayne Simmons being like, John, stay down. Johnny, stay down. Stay down. They're yeah. going to take care of you. And Zach Hyman's there too, which I, I miss him already. But uh, but yeah, but- all the, that entire team was surrounding their captain as he was at his lowest moment in his entire yeah. hockey career. And then you see Kyle Dubas running down the stairs. We didn't see a behind the scenes of like him going to the hospital or... That, that would have been too much. I think, I, I think I, that would have been too much. I yeah. think they did get a crew in there because you don't miss that kind of footage, but I think that would have been too much. And um, thankfully everything was okay. He, Kyle Dubas was calling his family and, um, and yeah, he, he, he was all good. And you were think, but mm-hmm. that, that the going through that series again, the first round again against Montreal gave me, I think a bit of like, just how could you have done this again? But also I understand that the thing okay so for for game one we kind of like when we like we when we were doing we're talking about it was we were like we don't fault them for losing game one and then they went on to win three and i think sheldon i think sheldon keith literally said we debated even playing the rest of that game yeah and he said it was the most awkward feeling as a coach i have ever had in hockey in my entire life yeah yeah um, so I think we didn't fault him, but the series, like, oh my God, watching game seven again. Okay, so we're with, up 3 1. Game, everyone knows how game five ends. Galchenia gives away the puck. We were better in overtime. And then game six, they were in Montreal. And I knew, I knew from Montreal is we're not winning this game. And then game seven, I was hopeful, but... I never... They never had a shot in game seven. Not a single shot. Yeah. So looking back is you're like, God damn it. How could you just like not play the game until the third period, last 10 minutes of the third period in an elimination game where you have everything to play for and everything to win for? Because you have... You had a clear shot at becoming at going to the Stanley Cup finals like Montreal did. Yeah. And you just you pissed it away. You pissed yeah, you pissed it away. It's exactly. And that's what I think the whole questioning them do they care comes in. Is do they care enough to show up for the entire game of game 7 or game 6 or game 5? 
to put it away. What what Sheldon Keefe said from the beginning of the season, you have to be able to put it away. And in this seven-game series, you see that they can't put it away. Game six, game five, and game six. Game seven is a write-off. Game right? seven was – they already lost it that one. It wasn't even close. Game five and six, they were not able to put it away. They were not able to put enough goals in the back of the net for them to hold a good lead and just cruise to a second round. Yeah. And you can there's a there's a saying that I and I'm gonna say that hey, this year I, I, I think that this series has really made me accept what happened last year and has kind of made me able to move on in a way. Yeah. I've been I it's made me a little more excited for this season, knowing that everything's on the line for these guys. Every single player has their job on the line. Every single player of the core has their job this on the year, line. This year, yeah. This year. Um, there's a saying that I was told as a football player from my favorite coach of all time. It's something along the lines of, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Montreal had Montreal had just had more fight in them in games mm-hmm. five, six, and seven. And yep. that's how they won the, se- the series. Montreal was the smaller dog in that fight. They were down 3-1 to a team yeah. that they had lost to basically all season. Yeah. But they had more fight in them in games five, six, and seven. And that's how they won the series. So a co- I just want, like, can you t- like touch upon some of your favorite, like your favorite things that you took away from this series? Uh, my favorite things. Um, well, I think my favorite thing was, was Sheldon Keefe was Sheldon Keefe. And, uh, and kind of going with that was, um, the Keefe Dubas relationship and seeing how much of that, uh, that blossomed and how, how that really works. But my favorite thing was definitely Sheldon Keefe and how he handled these players from a, from a purely entertainment standpoint was the certain characters, you know, the Sim- the Simmonses of the world, you know, Spezza was obviously very cool. Um, Joe Thornton was like we said, awesome. My math teacher, John Tavares Senior was John in Tavares it. Yes. Senior, yeah, that, that was when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, that's great. My favorite, my favorite line of the entire thing was I saw it last night. It was the scene between with Mitch and his girlfriend, who's now his fiance. It's something along the lines of like, yeah, he's you're younger than me, so I'm the coo- I'm the cougar of the yeah of yeah the couple. yeah yeah that <laughs> something was great. like that. Yeah. Oh my god, and um. Uh, the the uh, a friend of mine um, knows her and knows her family, so I so I told her about it. She was, she laughed about it, but I I um oh so but it was so kind of funny to hear. It that. was fun. Okay, so when it comes to that whole Marner thing, is I was expecting Marner to be a bigger part of the series. He really wasn't. Um, did you expect he, the Marner criticism to be a bigger part of the series? No, no, no. Just like Marner as a character to be a bigger part of the series, like more mm-hmm. interviews and like more stuff like more that. More just fun, but, fun Mitch stuff. Just yeah, fun, yeah. fun Mitch stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's it was funny to see that like oh he just goes on strolls with his girlfriend with his dog just like on the street and he doesn't get mobbed. So update: George Springer just hit a home run. It's currently one nothing for the Blue Jays. Okay, great. Okay, we gotta wrap this up, but um. So my favorite parts is Nylander is still by far my favorite player on this team. He was my favorite player since he came into the thing. Love his style. I love, I love how chill he is. Just mellowed puts out. puts the puck in with styles. Get yeah. it? You see? Yeah. Because? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Also, another thing that was just hilarious and I loved was the coffee gang. It was an exclusive <laughs> group. They're like, you have to get a mug too. And oh, I love God. how the medical staff lugs around an extra chest just full of coffee mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, we can't go out for coffee because uh, coronavirus. So might as well just have an entire chest and cups and like exclusive cups with like their numbers on it that you can only be part of. And I just like I just found that really funny and how like the the yeah. the the like the med med like staff all, and the, the players staff. like bond over like injuries and stuff, which is pretty funny. Oh, uh, yeah, that was very funny. Uh, uh. The, also, another thing was like the guy that was cutting their hair. Yeah, the, the shit that he must have heard. My grand my the grandfather. 30- I said this. My grandfather is a, a barber. and He says that all he hears is like just people bitching about about yeah. their, their lives all the time. Yeah, yeah. But like him for being a like hairdresser for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last 30 years, the shit that he must have heard about like all their failures, all their successes, all their like Phil Kessel getting a haircut. Yo, Phil so Kessel funny. must have been the best must have been the best person to cut hair for. Yeah. Yeah. You can just tell that Phil Phil would be in the chair just being like just, just eating hot sense. dogs. No, just no. Bro something about me yesterday. Piece of shit. Like just something like that. Yeah. Oh God. And probably my favorite moment of the entire series was um Joe Thornton just trying to fight the entire team <laughs> and that that whole sequence sequence of events. Yeah. Um yeah. I think this show, like, I think helped is going to help a lot of Leafs fans kind of go over and recover from the loss of last year and kind of just move on. And I think I'm really excited. Ne- this year is the actual all or nothing year. This is this is the last dance. This, this is the all or nothing. This is this the is last it. dance. I don't think there's going to be behind the scenes footage of it, but I think the there, Leafs... there won't be. The Leafs, the Leafs didn't want it because they they. They they felt they didn't have any privacy last year, which you know what I, I get it. I, I don't blame them, but I think the Leafs crew, like the Leafs, like t- the video team themselves, is going to get a lot of footage, and um, who knows? Maybe they'll sign like some exclusive deal with ESPN. What ESPN did with the uh, LA Lake, uh, with the Bulls for the last year, yeah, where yeah. they didn't release until like twenty years later, um, thing. So we'll see about Yo, that. If the Leafs would. At least win the cup this year, there should. I wish there's a. I hope there's like some sort of last dance thing that we see. How awesome would that be? Yeah. Um, we'll like, I'm really excited for this season. This is an actual all or nothing season. We'll see if they build those habits. If, if they can score four and four, score four goals and win four one. Uh, and that's, that's asking way too much. Through, no, no, no. We'll see if they're building the habits because we'll know. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll know through an 82 game season if they have what it takes to win. Yep. And it this gave this season gave us an insight into like the behind the scenes and what it takes to win and mm-hmm. what the team's mentality has to be. And as a fan, you got a glimpse into that. And now you'll be able to take a look at it and you'll give them a review of are they building those habits? Are they scoring a bunch of goals and then shutting it down? Are they putting the puck in the net consistently and having a good season throughout the year and not being fragile and not breaking down in, I don't know, like, con- like in just terrible ways, like the five, one, like loss in 
Ottawa was a, such a like so fragile. Like that should never happen. And hopefully we don't see that this season. And um, yeah, they're, I think this goes there. What they're reminding me of is like the capitals from years ago where you just, you plant the seed of doubt and it just, it, it bursts. Yeah. And that, that Caulfield goal, no, uh, sorry, that Suzuki goal in game five was the seed of doubt, was the seed of doubt that this team needed for it to burst. Yeah. And they were fragile. But yeah. when this team wins a Stanley Cup, which they will, I don't know if in our lifetime, but eventually, um, it's going to be an interesting look back at what this team was through this series. Yeah. This, this team is the, this is the smartest, this is the smartest organization, um, smartest management group I've ever seen in my life. And it's just unfortunate that they're, that they may not get the recognition they deserve just because that, just because of these unfortunate things that have happened. I don't know about unfortunate, but just the things that have happened. Yeah. They could have a bounce, a puck could have bounced in their direction and anything. Um, I think that's that's a good place to end it. Um I have no energy left. I am all I'm out. so tired. Um <laughs> the Blue Jays game, I have to go watch. Patriots and Buccaneers, I want to go watch that game, uh, that game too. The so Packers I'm, are playing in an hour. Yeah, so, so I'm I'm in a like this night is gonna like today. It's just me entire like I'm just gonna have I'm gonna be editing something and just have the sports on my secondary screen just watching whatever's yeah. going on. Um, thanks for listening. I have a small announcement. If you've listened this far to the podcast, is we're gonna start. I'm gonna start posting um the videos on YouTube, so you'll be able hey. to watch the podcast. Uh, the beginning of like the first Monday after the season begins, because that's when we usually record. So we'll have video podcasts, and I'm making new logos and stuff like that. So um we'll get on to that and uh we'll have the first episodes on youtube and you'll be able to watch us yeah um thanks for listening check us out on all the anywhere you find podcasts and uh, i'll tweet out the link to the to the youtube channel once i have that up and running and uh we'll see you guys next week